your presence and worship you today. We just invite you here and ask you to fill this place with your presence, Father. I ask you to touch each heart that's here today, Father. Speak to us through the music and through your word. We ask this in the name of Jesus.
this morning, right? We want to be where Jesus is. He wants to be where we are. I want to read you a verse out of uh, John chapter 4. Jesus said, the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And hear this, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. He's looking for people who will worship him in spirit and truth. Hallelujah. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, I don't want to preach to you just yet, but I can tell you over and over and over again, biblical accounts for when men and women came with a heart seeking the Lord, 
that God began to pour himself out in their lives. He began to reveal himself. And they had experiences that changed them forever. You can go back and look, the burning bush, all throughout the old covenant, there were times where God revealed himself because people had a heart for God. Amen. We come and we seek him. Yes. Jesus said, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled. Hallelujah. I mean, it's, it's there. It's there for us to reach out and receive. He wants to freely give. Thank you, Jesus. Our job is just to submit ourselves and say, Lord, I want to lift you up. I want to worship you. Yes. So can I just encourage you? All the stuff you come in with, you're, you're thinking about vacation Bible school. You're thinking about where you're going to eat, how many people we're going to feed, all the different things that are going on in your mind. What's this nut up there talking about? Whatever's going on in your mind. Can we just lay all that down? It's like a baggage check at the airport. Just say, okay, I'm going to put it all aside. And for this next hour and a half or so, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to lift you up. Yes. I'm going to exalt you. Yes. And I want to be changed in your presence. I want to be filled in your presence. So, Lord, we invite you to come. Help us to get our eyes on you. We choose to worship you. We choose to exalt you. We choose to worship you in spirit and truth. Yes. And we know when we do that, you're seeking those that will do that, Father. And so when we do that, we know you will come. Hallelujah. And you will pour your spirit out. You will be here. Yes. You'll speak to each one of us. You'll shake us and change us, Lord Thank God, you, in your Jesus. presence. Hallelujah. You'll reveal yourself to us in new ways. Yes. And we'll have an experience today in you, Lord, that'll change us forever. Amen. We'll go out of here and we won't be like we came in because we will have been with the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come, Lord Jesus, and have your way now. Yes. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's Amen. worship.
Hallelujah. Well, isn't it good to know that in the middle of storms of life, we can hold on to yes. Jesus. Hallelujah. So, Lord, we want to just stay in your presence for a little bit and let you speak to each one of us. Lord, we all have struggles in our lives. We have issues that we're dealing with. We have tomorrow, next week, next year we're facing, and some of us, there are uncertainties there. And, Lord, I know it is not your heart that anyone would have to walk around in hopelessness or despair. It's not your heart that people would be filled with anxiety and worry because you said that you would give us your peace. And that's a peace that doesn't leave. It's a peace that doesn't fail. It's not a peace that, that comes to an end because your kingdom of peace yes. never comes to an end, Lord. Oh, you want to rule and reign in our lives, the king Thank of peace. Hallelujah. And Lord, for those of us who have physical needs, we're facing surgery, facing uh, medical issues that are going to require treatment of some variety. Whether it's big or little, Lord, I know you care about all of our needs. You are the God. Hallelujah. You are the God that delivers. You're the God that redeems. You are the Lord, our God, our healer. So, Lord, we call on you to heal and deliver those that are sick, those who have physical issues, pains in joints, problems in breathing, problems in swallowing, problems in our heart. And I'm talking about a physical problem. We've all got issues in our heart that you need to heal. But, Lord, physically, heal those who are having heart problems today. Or I lift up. Brother Harold to you this morning, I ask that you heal him. He's in the hospital still, and he's got uh, a problem with too much fluid in his body. And Lord, I pray that you would just make that right. Whatever needs to happen there, Lord, that you would heal him and restore him. Thank you for the good report that his heart and all of his, his valves and all of his veins and arteries are good. There's no blockage or problem there, but he's got something wrong with his medications. And Lord, just heal him, deliver him. Give the doctors wisdom and the anointing to make the right diagnosis and help him with that, Lord. Pray for peace over all your people. Lord, we need you. More and more of you. You are the answer to all of our problems. And you provided for all of our needs when you died on the cross, Lord. You gave yourself. You made a way so that we could know you as Lord and Savior, that we could walk in, in your favor and blessing because we don't have a problem with sin anymore. You've taken our sin. You nailed it to your cross. Took it out of the way. And all those things that were against us and contrary to us, you took them out of the way. And I thank you, Lord, that you have given us a new and living way that we can enter into your presence and know you. We can experience your favor and your blessing. I thank you, Lord, that when you took our sin, you also took our guilt and our shame. And I pray for those that, that remember those things that they've done and they think they were so bad and there were so many that they can't ever be completely cleansed of that. And it's just going to be there forever. And they're always going to feel bad and be miserable because of the things that they've done, things they've said, things they've seen with their eyes. Lord, I pray that right now you cause a, a, 
a breakthrough in them, Lord. We bind those spirits of deception that would try to keep them blinded to the truth. The truth is that you came, you took our sin, you took the guilt and shame. We don't have any reason to be in condemnation anymore if we are in you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you have set us free. Yes, Jesus. Set us free from our past. And you've given us hope for our future, Lord. I thank you that every day is a new opportunity to walk with you and know you. We don't have to walk in guilt or shame for what we did yesterday or last week or last year or 50 years ago or whenever it might be. We don't have to walk in fear of what we're going to face tomorrow or next week either. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm holding on to you, Lord. In the middle of the storms, we're just going to hold on to you because you are able to calm the storms. You're able to, to walk right through the valley of the shadow of death with us. And there's no reason for us to fear any evil that might befall us because you are with us. Your rod and your staff comfort us, Lord. My cup runs over, Lord, and I thank you that you're preparing a table for me right there in the very presence of all of my enemies, all of my struggles and trials. It's nothing for you. Surely, surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because you are my shepherd, Lord God, and you don't leave me alone. You seek me out when I'm lost. You come and find me. When I'm discouraged, you encourage me. When I'm scared, you comfort me. And when I'm confused, you bring peace to me and you lead me in the paths that I should go. Thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us alone like orphans, but you come to us. Thank you, Jesus. Those of us who, who have a tendency to feel alone sometimes because maybe, maybe we've lost someone, maybe we've had a, an experience in our life that makes us feel separated, I pray that you cause us to feel your presence and know that we are always connected to you and to your people and that the enemy tries to make us feel alone, but we're not alone when we're in you. We're part of your family, Lord. You called us your children. You even called us your friend. But Lord, help us to see that and know that this morning. I pray right now, Lord, as we, as we just spend the moment breathing in your presence, that you refresh us. That you speak the words that each of us needs to hear so that we'd be changed, Lord, that we'd be encouraged, that our discouragement would be overthrown and over, overtaken by faith in you and trust in your goodness, Lord. Let the Lord speak to you right now. Whatever your need is, he wants to speak to that need. He wants to give you the assurance that he is on your case and he is watching out for you. His redemption and deliverance is coming for you. His goodness is running after you. Yes. It's going to overtake you. Thank you, Jesus. Just receive it. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you that you 
are not trying to figure it all out. You've got it figured out. You planned it all from the beginning, from the very foundation of the world, Lord. You planned it all out. You know exactly what to do in every situation and circumstance. You know how to heal us. You know how to deliver us. You know how to comfort us. You know how to bring peace to us. You know how to hold us in your hands so that we don't fall. You know how to sustain us, Lord. You know how to lead us, and you know what's best for us, and you lead us into that all the time, Lord. You're always working in us for good and for your good and our good. And, and so for the good of others, Lord, you have a plan for each one of us. Thank you, Lord. It's a good plan. It's a good plan for each one of us. And you want us to know you, know your heart, see you and hear you, Know your ways, Lord, so that we would follow you, that we would be light in this dark world, Lord. Fill us with your spirit, your presence, Lord, and help us to be that light everywhere we go, Lord, that that light would shine through us and out of us into people all around us, Lord, that we would be loving and serving, kind and gentle. Everywhere we go, people would look at us and say, something's different about them. Thank you, Lord, that you are making it happen in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team. We've been in Colossians 2 for a while, getting almost to the end of it. Maybe this week and next we'll wrap up Colossians 2. So I want to read you starting verse 16 through 21, and we're going to be focusing on verses 19 and 20. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are shadows of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the, body, all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. So we're going to stop right there. Verse 19 and 20 is what we're going to be focusing on, but I want to back up just a little bit. Uh, for those who might not have been here or to refresh your memory, we're talking about the fact that in the early church, you know, they all had some kind of a background. Whether they were Jews or Gentiles, they had some kind of a background. We've all got a background too, right? We were raised a certain way. We went to church. We didn't go to church. We were taught various things. All of that is part of our background. And so what happened in the early church is these folks came along and started saying, well, if you want to be a Christian, you got to follow the law. you got to follow all the same old traditions and things that we've always done. And Paul was saying, look, don't let anybody come in and judge you. Don't let anybody come in and, and steal your reward and deceive you by talking about things that are just shadows of the things to come. They're shadows. They're not the real thing. All of those ordinances, the you know, the things that they ate, the things that they drank, the things they didn't eat and drink, the, the festivals and the, 
the way that they sacrificed animals and the, the new moon and the Sabbath and all those things, they were, they were shadows. But the real thing was Jesus. And so Paul was telling them, don't let someone come along and cheat you out of your reward because they, they're talking about things that they really don't know anything about. They're claiming to be all this and know all that, but they really aren't and they don't. You know people like that? They're, they're always like know-it-alls. They've got every, well, I mean, everything you ask or say, they've got an answer. And most of the time, it's a bunch of bull. It's not really even what is true, but they, they're convincing, you know. They, they put it right there out there for you, like, oh, yeah, man, I know it all. I've studied it. It's got to be true. It's on the Internet. <laughs> so you have to be careful. There's a lot of information out there. So you don't want to get cheated out of your reward. The substance is in Christ. That is, that is the real thing. That's what we need to stay focused on. So in verse 19, he's talking about not holding fast to the head. That's the reason that people became deceived. That's the reason that they became twisted in their doctrine. That's the reason they had errors in their doctrine. That's the reason they didn't understand the clarity and the truth of the word is because they weren't holding fast to the head. Now, holding fast, that word means to adhere to. I mean, like sticking like glue. We may talk about some glue this week. We may talk about fastening with screws and nails and all kinds of things because that's part of construction. Fastening. We want to be adhered to the head. You don't want to be doing your own thing loose because you might lose your way or some bad things might happen. But when you're adhered to, you're hanging on, holding fast, remaining firmly committed to the head, then good things happen. That word holding fast, it comes from a root word, kratos, which is power, dominion, and strength. So I wrote it in the bulletin, but uh, think about this. If you're going to hold fast to the head... What it's really saying is that with, with the authority of God's kingdom that has been given to you as one of his children and all the power that's been given to you through the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word, with all of that, the authority and power that God's given you, you can hang on, you can hold fast, you can fasten yourself and commit yourself to the head. And when you live your life that way, fastened to the head, holding fast to him, you won't be... Swept away with, with uh, deceiving doctrines or the new fad that comes along. You know, Angel Moroni told me this and, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of things that people, they get confused and they start hearing. And it sounds good on the surface and it has an appeal. But we want to be holding fast to the head. When you hold fast to the head, then the truth is obvious and the lies are pretty obvious too. We always want to hold fast to the head. That's how all the body grows. Hold fast to the head from whom all the body, nursed and knit together by joints and ligaments, it grows with the increase that is from God. So your body, if you don't nourish your body, as my parents told me when I was growing up, boy, if you don't eat, you're going to dry up and blow away. Big gust of wind's going to come along, and whew, there goes Terry, bye. 
That never happened. But they threatened me with that. But you know, the truth is, if you don't nourish your body, if you don't take care of your body, it's going to be bad for you. And I, I would suggest that a lot of health problems are because we don't take care of our bodies. That's a different subject altogether. I don't want to go into that much. I just want to say that you should take care of your body. And you should especially help take care of our spiritual body. Now, I'm, I'm talking about the body of Christ, the overall church, not this church specifically, but the church, the universal church, the church worldwide, the body of Christ. We are part of that. And we need to do our part as part of that body. So the body is nursed and knit together. And that word nurse means to fully furnish or supply. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 talks about one of the ways that God has made a plan and a preparation so that his body could be nursed and could be knit together and could grow like it's supposed to. Verse 11, And he, him, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That spells it out pretty plainly that we are all connected to one another. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've given yourself to him, we're connected. We have a connection. Doesn't matter if you come to this church, doesn't matter if you go to you know, Baptist church over on the other side of town, or it doesn't matter if you go to church at all. We are connected. If you're a believer, we're connected. We are connected. But it is a little difficult for you to do your part as a believer that's connected to everyone if you're out there all by yourself and not around other believers. Now, I'm not real big on church membership, but, you know, I mean, you need to be part of somebody somewhere where you're connected. You have a family. You feel part of something. So those who have uh, issues physically or other emotional problems, things that come along, and they, they are struggling. It's overwhelming. It makes you feel like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, that's what the body is for. We're here to love you. We're here to help support you. We pray for you. We do other things. I mean, we, we give meals to people. We take care of people in all kinds of ways. That's what the body does. I mean, I'm telling you, if, you're, if your hand hurts, you want to do something to make your hand quit hurting. I mean, if, if, and I, I'm always cutting my fingers and doing things because I'm always working. I don't like wearing gloves because I can't feel things. I guess I like to feel pain because I get that pretty often. But, <laughs> but you know, we're, you're doing things and then it's like, oh man, I got a bloody place there. And so, and uh, you know, me being a normal person, 
in some ways. I say, well, I don't really like the way that feels, so I'm going to wash that, and I'm going to put some medicine. I'm going to put a Band-Aid on it, because every time I reach my hand in my pocket to get my keys, that's going to hurt if it doesn't grow back together pretty quickly. So that's what I'm talking about. If you're part of the body, you ought to be doing the things that help you and the rest of the body become who they're supposed to be. So if your hands hurt, you want to do something to make it not hurt. So if Brother Joe has a problem, I want to do anything that I can to help his problem, help him so that he's not hurting. If Sister Susie has a problem, and we do have a Susie, but you know, I want to do everything. Yeah, we've all got problems. That's the point. We all have problems. We all have issues that we struggle with. We need one another. I need y'all. Y'all think you need me probably, but I need y'all. Because none of us can be who we're supposed to be in Christ except how we all work together helping each other become who we're supposed to be. In Corinthians, Paul says, you know, we, we just see in part and we know in part. Each one of us has a certain amount of revelation or insight, a certain amount of knowledge or information. We've experienced things. We have, you know, some history. It's like, well, I know God did this because he did it for me. We have all these things that we know and see and believe. But you're just one person. But when you get 50 or 100 of you together, now we've got a lot more revelation, a lot more insight, a lot more experience, a lot more knowledge. We see bigger and better because we're all seeing together instead of one person with just those limited two eyes. And my two eyes, they're not even that good. I mean, I've got to wear these glasses. I mean, these, these are trifocals, baby. I, you know, and even with that, I don't see so good. I've got hearing aids in. I can't hear a flip. You know, I, I'm not, you know. Sorry, so you know, I introduced myself. What's your name? Oh, Fred? No, not Fred. Frank. Oh, sorry. I, I don't hear so well. I don't see so well. But when we're all together, we all see and hear better. Does that make sense? We're all supposed to be connected. And we're nourishing one another. We're taking care of one another. We're nourishing the body. We're going to fully furnish or supply it. And we're going to be knit together. That means to be unified, to become formed or combined into a whole, to cause a coalescence. Oh, isn't that a big word? Coalescence. Drive together, to be framed. Now, that word uh, knit together, it's pretty cool. Think about that. You know, we're, we're becoming one. We're, all these many parts are becoming one complete whole. being driven together. I think about a hammer and nails there, you know, and you got a couple of boards and you, you, you drive that nail through there, that drives them together. I don't want you to think I'm going to drive you. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not that kind of a man that leads that way. I'd rather lead by example and you guys like what you see and follow. And I've tried to do that over the years. I felt really bad yesterday because I didn't go to the food pantry. That's the first time I hadn't been in all the times we've gone, but uh, I think we had plenty of help and I had some other things I needed to tend to. But I like to, that's the way I like to lead. I like to lead by example. If I want you to work, then I'm going to be working right there with you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I haven't done myself or am willing to do. And I did that when I was working on a concrete job. I do it with all the things that I do in life. If I ask some of my guys to 
lay down on their belly and reach down into a muddy ditch and dig mud out with their hand, I'd get right down there beside them and do it with them. People will follow you when you lead that way. And we, we as a body, when we serve each other that way, then it's contagious. Everybody begins to see this is, this is good. This is the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be connected. We're supposed to serve one another in love. And we're not supposed to be filled with pride and be thinking, well, I'm too good for that. I'm not going to get my hands dirty. We need to all get our hands dirty. We need to be nursed and knit together. And the way that we're knit together is by the Spirit working in each one of us through the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians uh, chapters 12 through 14 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And there's the main thing I want you to think about, if you want to go read those chapters, it talks all about how the gifts work. But the Spirit gives those gifts as He sees fit, as He wills. You know, we don't tell Him what we want and what we need. We just say, we want to, we want to serve. You give us what we need. And so when we come together as, as His body, the Spirit moves. There'll be a word. There'll be a prayer. There'll be an encouragement. That's the way God moves. That's the way he moves. And sometimes it won't happen with a microphone. Sometimes it'll happen at the altar at a time of prayer. Sometimes it'll just happen when you're greeting one or someone will just share something and they may just be thinking that they're just being kind and friendly, but it could be a word from God for you because it could answer a question or a problem that you're having that day. And it, that's just the way the body's supposed to work. We're supposed to be knit together by joints, and ligaments. The joints is a uniting bond, it's a connection. And the ligaments are a connected tissue, that which binds us together. It's a kindling, a lighting, or a bonding. So, you know, we've laughed about it over the years. This started way back with Pastor Kirk, but, uh, you know, there's a, such a thing as a boneless chicken. Well, they sell boneless chicken. So if there's a boneless chicken, you know, it's kind of like, how, how does it support itself? It doesn't have any bones. Your skeletal system is what supports you when you walk. But all of that is connected by joints, by ligaments and muscles, the flesh that you see. It covers all that. We're all connected. And we're connected by these different areas spiritually. And if you, if you start thinking about that and praying about it, you'll begin to see how, how we're connected to one another. We encourage one another with the things that we say. When someone is weeping, you weep with them. That brings comfort to them. When someone is rejoicing, you rejoice with them. That brings them excitement and enthusiasm. They used to say that a, a joy shared is doubled and a sorrow shared is cut in half. And that's, that's a pretty good way of looking at it because when you share in somebody else's emotions, whether they're good or bad, when you empathize and you and you share in that with them, it helps them, it encourages them, it helps support them and strengthen them. So our body, this body, the body of Christ, is supposed to be one complete unit made up of many parts and pieces that all have a job and a function. You might be a fingernail, you might be a toenail, you might be an elbow joint or a ligament, or you might be uh, an ear, or a nerve, you know, whatever. But all those things work together, and if you don't have one of those things, your body's not going to function quite normally. If you're missing a leg, you're going to be like peg leg, and you won't be able to walk normally. If you're missing a hand, 
you'd be like Captain Hook. You're missing an eye, you'd be like Rooster Cogburn. Yeah, I mean, but you can function. But you're not functioning at full speed. You're not functioning at full capacity. That's the way the body of Christ is. We don't want to be walking around as the body of Christ with a patch on our eye. Because when people look at the body of Christ, I don't want them to see something that makes them go, <gasps> you know, the body of Christ ought to be attractive. They ought to look at the body of Christ and say, man, those people are beautiful. Those people are good. Those people are kind and generous. They're loving. They serve one another. Look what they do. They love each other and they take care of each other. They're not walking around like Peg Leg Pete or, or Captain Hook. They don't have a big hook on their hand for an arm. You know, the body of Christ is supposed to be complete. And it's supposed to be appealing. Should look good. And I'm not talking about the physical look because you don't have to be beautiful to look good. Because it's what's in your heart that comes out. Some of the most beautiful people in the world are not necessarily beautiful to look at, but they are wonderful people. They serve, they love, they take care of, they have compassion, they're kind and gentle. Those are all good qualities that we ought to have. So all these things cause us to grow. That means to become larger, greater, or bigger. And I don't worry about our attendance here, but I do want us to be more. I want us to, each one of us, be more so that we as a body are more, that we become stronger, larger, bigger as a body so that when a problem comes along, we have enough insight spiritually and we have enough authority and power collectively to deal with it in the spiritual realm because we are operating in the power of the Spirit because we are bigger, larger, and more powerful together. That's the way the body of Christ is supposed to work. And then increase. That's growth. It's the process of becoming larger or longer or more numerous or more important. It's a multiplication of sorts. Increase. Now, in Mark chapter 4, and in other Gospels too, there's a, a parable of the sower. And I love this because Jesus is telling a story because he's trying to make a point. Most of his stories were, they were told so that people could relate to the truth that he was trying to get them to understand. And this one is about the sower. He says, the sower sows the word. That's the word of God. These are the ones by the wayside where the, the word is sown. When they hear... Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So you've got people that hear the word, and they're, they're actually receiving it. They're thinking, man, this is good. You know? And then Satan comes along and just snatches it away from them. And the, in the original sower, the story, birds came along and, and picked up the seeds and ate the seeds. And then he says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they heard the word, immediately they received it with gladness. But they had no root in themselves, and so they only endure for a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So those are the people that were sown on the rocky ground. It was not good ground, so they couldn't grow a root. And so they received the word, they were excited, and they were, man, I'm, I'm going to walk with Jesus the rest of my life. And then the next week, they go back to school or work, and they tell someone, man, I'm a Christian. That's a lie. You know, you, you still got all I know you. You still cuss and drink and smoke and all those things. You're not changed. You're no different. And I know you. You're, you're going to be just like you always were. And by the way, 
I don't even believe in all that stuff. I don't even know if there is a God. And so it's like, ooh, man, all your friends are leaving you. All your business acquaintances are turning their backs on you. A lot of people just give up because they don't have any root. And they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They're the ones that hear the word. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires of other things entering in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So my interpretation of that is, uh, well, first of all, they're the, the seed that was sown and it grew up, but it had weeds all around it. And the weeds choked it out. Well, so what happens is you hear the word and you respond and you become fruitful. You're actually walking with the Lord and things are happening. But because of all the cares of this life and the distractions, issues come along and all of a sudden you say, well, I'm too busy to go to church. I, I'm too busy to do this. And, you know, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to read the word. And all those cares of life, they choke it out and you become unfruitful. But then there are some that were sown in the good ground. The ones sown in the good ground, it says that they brought forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. That's 30 times, 60 times, or 100 times. That's the way it works in the kingdom. That's the way it works in, in the natural, too. You sow one kernel of corn, and it produces a plant, and that plant produces two or three heads, and each one of those heads has... I don't know, probably 100 or 150 or 200 kernels. That's 100-fold. That's the way it's supposed to work. So the body, the body is supposed to nurse itself so that it will increase, that it will multiply, so that we become bigger, better, stronger, more connected, that our love for one another helps carry each other through the difficult struggles they face in life. And that's the... That's the growing and the increase that comes from God. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, Paul says, Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? He says, I planted Apollos water, but it's God who gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but it's God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and who waters are one. Each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. So we're talking about an increase and a growth that comes from Christ. It doesn't come from, it doesn't come from us. Because if you build out of your own knowledge or information or strength, you're going to be building something that's just going to be worth nothing. But if you build something that is eternal, something that is kingdom-oriented, it's not temporal, it will last. It will have eternal value. That's what we want. We want it to be through God and not our own efforts. And that's the way everything is in the spiritual realm. You understand that. We do everything that we do in the spiritual realm by grace through faith. There is no other way. You don't earn it. You can't earn it. Even if you could, in some way, God wouldn't receive that. I mean, there is no other way except grace through faith. We believe what he has provided. We receive it. 
and he pours it out on us. That's the way it works. So we want that increase and that growth that comes from God. And then he says in verse 20, Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. So if you died with Christ, that means, you know, we are in Christ. So when we are in Christ, we are in him and we relate to his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his victorious living. We relate to him in every way because he's in us and we are in him. So if you died with Christ, if you died with Christ, you are dead to the basic principles of the world. That means the worldly system. That means the way the world does it. It's like a, an orderly arrangement of things. That's the way the world does it. They say, this is how you got to be. If you want to be successful in life, you got to do this, this, and this. you got to get a college degree. you got to work, you know, 50 or 60 hours every week if you want to get ahead in life. you got to buy, and you got to remodel, and build, and sell, and you got to, you know, and all that's fine. I mean, some of those are great principles. But we don't want to get caught up in the worldly system and do everything according to the worldly standards because there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is death. The worldly system is not the way God works. Matter of fact, it's exactly opposite. The way that God works, you don't earn it. You don't do it. You receive it. You've got to get your mind into the spiritual realm and begin to see that it's all different and opposite in the spiritual than it is in the natural. And one doesn't necessarily negate the other, but they have to work together. So when we, when we understand that God is the one that gives the increase, but we're supposed to do our part, as an example, I mean, you... You can't just quit your job and say, God, I'm trusting you to take care of me and just sit home every day and expect checks to come in the mail. God wants us to be faithful as stewards of what he's given us. And each of us have talents and gifts and we have things that we can do and should do. God wants us to be faithful in those things. And then he can bless our efforts. It's not either or, it's both. You know, God wants us to do our part. Our part is to be faithful, to trust him, and to stay the course. God wants us to stay the course. If we do that, we will begin to see God's favor in our lives. And I'm, I know there are, there are times where it looks like things are never going to change. And there are times where you're looking at your life and you're thinking, man, this is just, this is just horrible. And I don't see how this is ever going to be any better. But God wants us to see beyond that. He wants us to see that there is hope in the future. And even if your life may not really change that much, if your heart and your mind are holding fast, adhered to him, you won't feel the same way about your circumstances. That's the, that's the key in my mind. If you want to have hope, keep your mind on Jesus. If you want to have peace, keep your mind on Jesus. If you want to walk in victory, keep your mind on Jesus. Because if you start thinking about your circumstances, they may not change. But when your circumstances are all bad and you're thinking about how good God is, those bad circumstances just don't affect you the same way. I've been there and done it. I'm a walking testimony. I'm telling you, you can do that. 
And when all of your life looks awful, you can still have victory and you can still have joy and you can still have peace. And you can still talk about the goodness of God is running after you because you've seen it with your eyes and you've felt it with your heart and you know it by your life because God's goodness does follow us all the time. We don't have to see it to know it. God's goodness is following us. His provision is there even though we might not always see it. So he goes on and he says, don't, don't live your life according to the ways of the world. You're, I know you're living in the world, but you're not of the world. Don't subject yourself to these regulations. Don't, don't let people come in and try to trick you and get you back into to bondage again. You've been set free from all of that. I'm glad that I got set free because I didn't like living trying to do everything in my own strength. Because I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't skilled enough. I wasn't anything enough. But in Jesus, I am enough. Because he's enough. And I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I don't have to be all of that. I can just trust him. And whatever I do, however I do it, it's okay. Because I know he loves me and I'm accepted in him. And when you're accepted in him, none of this other really matters. The world may look at you and say, man, you're a failure, you're a flop, but in, in the Lord's eyes, you are a treasure. And if I'm a treasure in God's eyes, I'm not going to worry about what man thinks. And I'm not going to go around letting the devil beat me up and condemn me and make me feel bad all the time because of my past failures or my failure to reach my potential destiny or whatever. Just get over it. Accept the fact that God loves you and he sees the good in you and he's looking, he's looking at you in the eyes of a father that loves you and wants the very best for you. So worship team, you guys can come back. Uh, we're going to wrap up here. Don't subject yourself to regulations. That would be to be regulated by rules or opinions handed down by an authority. If you want to be subjected to regulations, it better be the authority of God, not anything else. And you don't want the world system to be the regulations and authority that you're attached to and that you're worrying about. You want to be walking with the Lord and letting God lead you and guide you, let him take care of you. And then you won't have to worry about someone telling you, don't touch that, don't taste that, don't handle that. Those are all, those are the way the Jews talk to each other. It was like, don't touch, don't touch. And then if you touch, you are guilty of, of sin in their minds. Don't handle that. Don't become familiar with that. Just stay away from all that. That was what the Jews did. It wasn't enough that they had the law. They actually expanded the law. That's why Jesus said, your traditions, which are those expansions of the law. He said, your traditions have made God's word of no effect. We don't want to do that. Let's don't go beyond God's word. Let's just trust God and his word and let's live the way that he wants us to live. If we'll do that, you'll be happy, you'll be successful, you'll be blessed, you'll be walking in his favor. It's not that difficult. Let's don't make it any more complicated than it is. Jesus and him crucified. That's what Paul said. That's all I want to know among you. I came and I preached, but all I really want to know is just Jesus and him crucified. So Lord, I pray that you give us a revelation of you, that we would see you is everything that we need, that we don't need the ways of the world. 
We don't need to, to worry about if we're successful or if we're failures. We just need to worry about are we walking with you? Jesus and you being crucified. That new and living way you, that you made for us so that we can have this great, wonderful relationship with you. Thank you, Lord. Help us to see you as you are and know you as you are. In Jesus' name, let's stand and worship. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, 
This is an opportunity for you to make him the Lord and Savior of your life. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. If you have any other prayer requests, if you'd like someone to lay hands on you, anoint you with oil, any of that sort of thing, just come. There'll be someone who meets you at the altar and pray with you. As we sing and worship, you can begin to come and, and we're going to pray with you and believe God to help you walk through whatever your needs might be. Don't leave today without letting God set you free, heal you, save you, change you. Maybe you just need to be encouraged. Maybe you need a word that would encourage you. God can do all of that. Amen. He can do it right now, right here. Amen? Amen. Father, make me Wash away these What my life to bring Only glory to your name I need your mercy Come cleanse my heart Oh God, make me more like you A holy vessel of honor Make me more like you Holy vessel of me deep within, healing all my pain, fill my life again, just your holiness
Lord, I thank you for what you've done today. You have spoken to us. You've touched us. You've changed us. You've encouraged us. You've set us free, Lord, to walk with you in a new way. From this day forth, Lord, you are going to begin to do things in our lives that we've not seen ever. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to shake us, make us, and mold us into your image, Lord. And I proclaim that over this body, these people today, Lord, that we will go out of here changed, that we will not be the same. The seed may still be in the barn, but from this day, you're going to become fruitful in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Thank you, Jesus. Go and be blessed.